Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, and Jump the Moon Art Studio in Logan, which offers art-making opportunities for people with different abilities, along with Cash Employment and Training Center, is working to bring attention to the strength and diversity that persons with disabilities contribute to our communities. And today on the program, we're going to talk with Michael Bingham from Jump the Moon. We'll also be talking with Aubrey Popak, a job developer with CETC, and Marie Holst, Employment Services Director with Cash Employment Training Center. We'll be talking about providing employment and other opportunities to persons with uh, different abilities. I believe we'll also be joined by a client there at CETC. Um, so we bring in uh, Michael Bingham from Jump the Moon. Thanks for being with us. Hey, it's so fun to be with you, Tom. Great, Thanks. Great to have you on, and we'll get into your fascinating story and, and how Jump the Moon came to be, and and recent <laughs> incredible uh, uh, story. Um, your your fall off a ladder and breaking your neck and and and, and recovery from that. Um, so that uh, was just a little a little thing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> you're being facetious. That was a big thing, but a lot of lessons learned there, I imagine. Um, we uh, bring in also Aubrey Popak, who's a job developer with uh, CETC. Thanks for joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. I understand you have a, a client there at CETC with you. Yes, I do. Her name is Denise Smock. Denise Smock. Oh, Denise, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us. Hello. Uh, hello. Hello. Well, we'll uh, we'll be very interested in talking to you as we go along here. Um, and uh, Marie Holst, who is Employment Services Director with Cash Employment Training Center. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Um, I'm not sure who wants to tackle this. Uh, Marie, do you want to talk about this? The, so 1945 is when this was uh, instituted. So, yes, Congress declared the first week of October um, the National Employee the Physically Handicapped Week, and then in 1962 they took the word physically and acknowledged the employment needs and contributions of individuals with all types of um disabilities, and in 1988, they extended it to a month instead of just a week, and they changed the name to National Disability Employment Awareness Month. I think this most likely began after World War II when several people came back with physical disabilities, which was most recognizable. Um, It's still important to employ all people with a variety of disabilities because they all have something to contribute. I think sometimes we maybe forget that or we don't, uh, we, we, we only see the barriers, I'm guessing. That's true. A lot of people just see the barriers. And, you know, when we go in and talk to people, sometimes they have preconceived notions because of the people they know with disabilities. So it's important to introduce the fact that they all have abilities. We just need to focus on what they can do instead of what they can't do. Yeah. Uh, before we go to Michael, I want to uh, want to return to Aubrey Popak. And uh, I- I'm sorry, I didn't write down your name. Is it Denise? Yes, oh, Denise uh, Smock. Denise Smock. Okay, I'm going to write that down so I don't forget it. Okay. 
Um, so uh, I wonder, um, Aubrey, if you could uh, talk just a little bit about how, how you, you're a job developer there. What uh, Tell me a little bit about your job and, and what you do. Yes, so my job is to work with the community and go out and talk with people about the opportunity of hiring somebody with disabilities. And oftentimes when I go out, it's the first time they've ever thought about um, working with somebody who has a different ability, maybe somebody with Down syndrome or um, and even autism. But as I go in and I'm able to talk with people and show them that, you know, people with disabilities can work, they want to work, they want to be independent and earn their own money. And just educating uh, our community and our local employers. And I work with them to find a good fit for our clients. So our clients come to me with incredible abilities um, and, of course, barriers, but I work with them and employers to find a perfect fit that um, that works for the employer and for the client. And so my job is to, you know, find this perfect puzzle that works together so that we can all, you know, it's a win-win, and we're all benefiting from the situation. Do you, do you find, uh, I don't know, you, I'm guessing you find variability. Some employers willing to work with uh, your clients, others not, or, or are they generally willing? It's a mixture, for sure. Um, there are some employers who, in the past, have worked with people with disabilities, and so they're very comfortable um, employing somebody. And then there's other employers who just have never, it's never crossed their mind to adapt a job to a specific person. And they're just looking for an employee to fit their preconceived mold. But um, the employers that have worked previously with people with disabilities or have somebody in their life who has disabilities, they are more, you know, aware of the possibility the of you know, creating this position for somebody. And whether that's, you know, differing hours or differing position, we're just, you know, customizing the position to the client sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if I could talk to Denise uh, a little bit here. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, Denise, uh, great to talk to you. Um, so you, Hello. H- hello. So you're there at uh, the Cash Employment Training Center. What 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 kinds of things do you do? You do? Huh. You're uh, you're welcome. Do you, do you have a do you, do you have a job, Denise? What uh, what do you do? Um, no, right now I am working at Cash Employment Training Center. Um, I did have a job um, working at the sheriff's office. Um, I did janitorial work. And I also like to, you know, like joke around with the sheriff. Mm-hmm. And I, I also went to their Christmas party and their summer picnic. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Sounds like mm-hmm. you're a, a joy to be around. And so now you're at the Cash Employment yes. Training Center working there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, wonderful. Um, does it does it make you feel better when you have something to do, work to do? Yes, it does. Yeah, uh, and the 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 people there that you that you work with, uh, how do you how do you get along with them? I get along with them really good. They're good to work with. Yeah. Well, wonderful, Denise. We'll, we'll come back and talk to you a little later. 
Okay. Okay. Th- thank you. Bye. You'll come talk to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so Aubrey, uh, so Denise uh, was working there back at the Clash Employment Training Center. I guess the the goal is um, you find an, an, another uh, place for her down the line. virus and everything she uh they changed some things around in the sheriff's office so she was unfortunately let go there but then she did get a job at comfort in and again because of the virus um she's on a break right now but she will soon return to the comfort in and they've also been amazing with her she really enjoyed she only worked there for a few days before they shut down for quarantining as well um but she really enjoyed being with them as well yeah, an example, decent, decent example of, um, you know, if you if you can find uh, some accommodation, then uh, they can be gainfully employed and and making a contribution. Exactly, and one thing that um, is specific for Denise is that we don't expect her to work forty hours a week, eight hours a day, and so the Comfort Inn and the Sheriff's Office were able to work with us in having her work a schedule that works for her and works for them. And so instead of expecting her to fill um, as a typical employee might work full time, she's able to do the, you know, a part time position. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one more thing before we go to go to Michael, uh, Marie Holst, uh, their employment services director at Cash Employment Training Center. I imagine there's a broad range of, uh, you know, the different abilities, uh, disabilities that, that folks have that uh, that you work with. Yes, we have all kinds. We have some people who are um, need a lot of care, and then we have people who are very independent. Um, we have some people who are nonverbal, who use other devices. Some use pictures. Some use sign language. So we have a wide range of of folks. We have some who use wheelchairs. So it's, it just depends on what their desires are and what their abilities are so that we can find them the right kind of job. We try to match them with their interests and their skills and their abilities. Hmm. Let me turn to Michael Bingham, um, Jump the Moon Art Studio. in. Uh, in it, are you still on Logan? You did. I think you moved recently, did yeah. you? Yeah. We're, no, we didn't. Uh, we're on Main Street in oh, Logan, okay. Utah. Still on Main Street, okay. Um, so, uh-huh. um, it, Michael, you sent me an article, uh, uh, kind of a profile of yourself from uh, um, the Utah Department of Heritage and Arts. Uh, I was struck by this quote. You said, I used to think I was born to be an artist. I'm not. What do you think you were born to be then? Now you've discovered this. Well, I've, I've been an artist for about 40 years, and for the longest time I thought that was my purpose here on Earth. Um, I'm a big believer that everybody needs to have a purpose and needs to find out why they're here. Um, I'm, I'm fond of the quote, I don't know who originally said it, but the two most important days of your life, the day you're born and the day you figure out why. And uh, for me, I figured out that my purpose is really to use art to help other people uh, to find their purpose. So um, I, uh, that became really clear through a bunch of experiences. But uh, so my purpose is to help others uh, 
through art, like using art to, to make sure that uh, their lives can be more fulfilling. How did you come to, uh, to, to found uh, Jump the Moon? I started teaching high school. Uh, I'll, my memory for numbers is a little shaky, but about uh, 13 years ago, I started teaching high school art. And the reason I did that was because my own experience in education was not a, a good one. I have learning disabilities and some challenges, and it made it so uh, math and, and other things were difficult for me. And on top of that, I'm a very creative person, and often our education system isn't very friendly to creative people. And so I had a rough time in school, and at some point I got thinking that, you know, there are other people uh, out there in school that would have been, that are like me, that are having a rough time because they're creative, they're maybe meant to be an artist, they are um, having some learning challenges. And so I started teaching uh, because I wanted to be there and let them know that they were valuable and that uh, my experience in school left me feeling like I was stupid. That was my the result of my own education was me thinking, well, I must just be stupid. And, um, and that's not – nobody should ever feel that way. Um, everybody's abilities should be recognized and, and you know, made, have a way made that they can put them to use. So I started teaching, and then I, um, I discovered a lot of students who were like me, uh, kind of struggling. But then I discovered a whole other world of students who had uh, much more severe disabilities. And I, by the way, I'm, I'm not fond of the word disabilities. I've never liked it when it's applied towards me um, because it's uh, focused on what I can't do. I prefer diverse abilities. Um, my abilities are just different than maybe most other people's. And people with diverse abilities um, have abilities. They just they just maybe haven't been discovered yet, or or had a way to express them. But this group of people with um, more severe disabilities really grabbed my heart and um, and became maybe my favorite thing about teaching was trying to find and unlock people's talents and skills so that they could express themselves and and better communicate and and find a purpose and do something that contributed to to the whole hmm. um i want to get into more of your story a little later on i want to turn to uh, to marie holster next to ctc um something michael uh, said struck me um Running up against, uh, I guess, uh, certain attitudes in society, you know, some people with d different abilities, uh, the people you work with there, uh, by and large, what are their feelings coming in? Do they, do, are they picking up these attitudes from society that uh, about worth and about uh, the things I can't do? I think some of them do. Um, some of, you know, I've been in this industry for 30 years, and we have annual meetings with them, and I can remember at the very beginning we would talk about all the things that they couldn't do, and we needed to get them to do those things. And, and now the focus is 
on what are you doing, what do you want to do, how can we help you do the things that you want to do. So I think the whole focus is changed. We're more individualized. We're more what they call person-centered. You know, if a person wants to learn a specific skill, then we try our very hardest to teach them those skills. And it may take two or three years for them to, to do it. But, you know, little progress is better than no progress. And it's just amazing to watch them succeed and to celebrate those achievements that they have and the things that they want to do. And we're, not, we're focusing on them and what they want and what they need rather than what they can't do. And we need to teach them that. We, we focus on what they want to do mm. and what they want to learn. It, it provides a greater positive atmosphere. I think for the most part, you know, society now is more accepting and and folks are not just shoved out, you know, away from everyone. So it, that makes a difference, too. There's a lot of acceptance and so they feel like they belong, whereas, you know, years ago, they most likely didn't feel that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. I want to ask the same uh, question to Aubrey Popak. Um, what do you, I guess variability, probably, the people you work with in terms of the, the messages that they've internalized or, or, you know, maybe internal strength that the, you know, they're pushing back on some of those messages. Yes, I, um, you know, I get to work with the, with our clients and be able to see them thrive in a position. And so when you're talking about this, one story that comes to my mind is a client who um, was self-harming and her team of all of her support, you know, they didn't think that she would be successful in employment because no employer would, you know, want to hire somebody who is self-harming. Um, but once we were able to hone in on her skills and focus on those things that she could do and show her that there's worth in her abilities, um, she was able to get in a position that she thrived in and she didn't self-harm. She was proud of herself and you could see a physical change in her that she found meaning and found purpose. And she was also able to start saving her own money. She was able to make new friends in the community and be extremely successful. Um, another situation that comes to mind is uh, we have a client who um, can't speak, but he's a very hard worker. And so I, working with him, I, you know, thought it was going to be hard to find him a position because he can't talk with his employer. And so I provide and um, job coaching. So that's where I'm able to go in with the client and coach them on their job and be there with them to, you know, alleviate some of the barriers that they have with their employer. And so this client in my, that I'm thinking of, he can't speak to his, you know, to his coworkers, to his boss, but um, he's been able to, he actually works at Ruley and he's been able to work with all of the employees there. They work with him, they talk with him, 
as much as he can. He shows them really cool, you know, he shows them things on his phone and all these pictures of him. And so he's been able to create this relationship with them. And they have really taken him in and shown him that you can work and you have worth and we're excited to be your friend. And so you can see a change in him. And he's very happy now. He's working more and he's employed, making his own money. He's able to buy his own things. And I think when um, we're able to find a, a really good position for people, they, their demeanor changes because they're so proud of themselves that they're able to be in the community and they're able to show off their skills, make new friends, make their own money. And I think that that's a huge change for a lot of our clients because a lot of them, their parents or their support when they were children, they didn't expect them to work. They didn't expect that they'd grow up and have a career. But when we're, you know, teaching them uh, that they can do things, that they do have abilities and that they can work, I think it just changes their entire being because they find more worth in themselves. Yeah, that's important. I wonder if I could talk to Denise again. Yes, of course. Yeah. Hello. Uh, hi, Denise. Good to talk to you again. Hi. Hi. Um, uh, so I, I'm wondering, so when you worked at the sheriff's office, worked at Comfort Inn, um, how did you feel working? Did you enjoy those jobs, enjoy working? I did enjoy working with them. They were really great to work with, you know, and um, they, they, you know, they just like having us there every, you know, having us there cleaning and doing what needs to be done, and yeah, I really love doing that. Yeah. Uh, sounds like, Denise, I don't know you very well, obviously, but uh, it sounds like you're pretty good at making friends. Do you, do you have friends at both of those places, Sheriff's Office and Comfort Inn? I do. And and what do you... Um, uh, what do you think you... I guess you... Obviously, it sounds like you bring some uh, brightness uh, to, to those people's lives. A little bit of joy. Yes. I, I do. I do. It's uh, it's really great to do something that I can do. And I guess your friends help you out as well. Yes, they do. They do. Yeah. Do you feel like you're at both those jobs and the, the employment training center there? You feel like you're learning things, learning new new skills, yes. and yeah. Yes, I feel like I'm learning new skills and everything, and it's great. Yeah, it makes you feel good. Yes, it does. It really does. Yeah. Do you feel like you can learn more skills and, and, and keep going? Yes, I, I can. Yeah. Well, uh, well great. We'll, we'll talk to you a little bit later then, Denise. All right. Okay. Uh, well, let's take a break. Um, we're talking with uh, uh, two uh, employees of the uh, Cash Employment Training Center, uh, Aubrey Popak, who's job developer, and Marie Holst is uh, employment services director. And uh, we're talking with uh, Michael Bingham, who's with Jump the Moon Art Studio in Logan. And we're talking about uh, National Disability Employment Awareness Month, which is this month. We'll have uh, much more following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Salt Lake City Weekly, a Utah news source since 1984, covering music, dining, nightlife, and more in Salt Lake City and beyond. 
available weekly at 1,800 locations across the Wasatch Front or online at cityweekly.net. Support also comes from Apogee Instruments, a Cache Valley company building precision sensors that support global research in sustainable food production, renewable energy, and climate change. Swing states usually get the most attention in election years, but in 2020, what qualifies as a swing state, that might be changing. Texas is currently caught up in several fights over the future of voting access. It's also seen record early voting, and it could flip from red to blue. How Texas might change all our politics. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Saturday afternoons at 1 o'clock here on Utah Public Radio. October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, and on Access Utah today we are focusing on... um, employment opportunities for the differently abled um, and uh, Jump the Moon Art Studio which offers art making opportunities for people with disabilities uh, along with the Cash Employment Training Center is working to bring attention to the strength and diversity that persons with uh, different abilities uh, contribute to our communities. We're talking with Michael Bingham from Jump the Moon, Aubrey Popak and uh, Marie Holst from a cash Employment uh, Services uh, Center, and we're talking with Denise Mock, who is a client there at uh, CETC. Um, just want to, uh, so Michael Bingham, just want to mention, um, plug this, there's an event on coming up on Monday, the Jump the Moon, Utah Public Radio, American West Heritage Center, presenting a drive-in movie night uh, to, to help raise awareness. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we've been trying to think of ways to safely get out of the house and do something enjoyable, and we're inviting people to come out to the American West Heritage Center and stay in your car and watch a movie and just enjoy an evening out there. They do a wonderful job at that Heritage Center. Um, There's also more while we're waiting for it to get dark. Um, They have 22 acres, which is really easy to be socially distanced on, where there are there's a corn maze and and other activities that that families can participate in. And the overall idea is just to be a, a awareness or, or a reminder that um, there are many people in our community that need to have a purpose and need to have employment and and something that brings them fulfillment. Um, that's, that's wonderful. So that's Monday, and it's uh, basically uh, the drive-in, uh, the movie starts when it gets dark, I guess. Yeah, but you can come out sooner than that and um, get your car parked and... Uh, there's a two ticket prices that, that uh, I think I think on the on your website on the UPR website there's a link to the American West Heritage Center website where you obtain tickets and if you want to do corn maze and other things there's a price for that and if you just want to go to the um, to the movie that then uh, you can do that as well. So that's Monday uh, at the American West Heritage Center. So that's that's a great opportunity. I just want to mention this. Um, we likely, hopefully, we're working out an interview with McKay Coppins for next week, a writer with The Atlantic. And I wanted to mention that he is um, uh, headlining an event 4 o'clock this afternoon uh, for the uh, USU Institute of Government and Politics. Um, he'll be uh, talking in their Informed Citizen series 
and uh, talking to the topic, the 2020 disinformation war, how propaganda, conspiracy theories, and fake news are shaping the presidential election, what to do about it. That's McKay Coppins, 4 o'clock. You can register uh, via Zoom for this free event by emailing iogp at usu.edu, iogp at usu.edu. The Department of Journalism and Communication at USU are also sponsoring this event. And hopefully we'll have McKay Coppins with us on Access Utah next week. Uh, so, uh, Michael Bingham, uh, um, you uh, you know you got into um, helping uh, folks with different abilities uh, with, with art, this uh, great project there, Jump the Moon. And uh, imagine you learned even more um, from your experience in March of last year. When you fell off a ladder and broke your neck, which is just just incredible, the fact that you're, you say you're you, when your wife found you, you weren't breathing. So I guess a long, slow recovery. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting experience to go through to have your life just almost end. In fact, if she hadn't been there, it would have been over. And so I got a second chance, and uh, and. That whole experience was um, was really an answer to a prayer for me. I had started this Jump the Moon studio because I found so much enjoyment in working with people, uh, the students with diverse abilities at the school, but there was a frustration because a lot of times my art class would have 40 uh, students in there, and you have an hour, and if I'm really moving fast, I can spend about a minute with everybody. And it just wasn't enough time. And then when we figured out that, boy, somebody should be able to paint with their wheelchair on the floor or do something that took required some space, I didn't have that available either. So this Jump the Moon studio grew out of a desire to have more space and more time to really get in and um, and explore people's potential. And I once I got it started, it's a nonprofit, uh, 501c3. We've been there about three years. Um, but every day, uh, my staff, I only have two, I have two part-time employees and myself, so we're pretty small operation. But every day, almost, we're faced with um, some pretty interesting challenges. Um, there's a, such a range of, of challenges that people have. And I had been sincerely praying, you know, Heavenly Father, help me know more about people with disabilities. Help me understand on a higher level what people go through. And um, I guess maybe part of the, the uh, lesson here is be careful what you pray for. So I didn't I didn't have any idea how God was going to answer that prayer, but um, he certainly did by allowing me to have this experience of breaking my neck and cracking my head and and 14 other fractures and ending up in intensive care for two and a half weeks on life support. And I learned a lot about what it's like to have... Uh, physical and now I have the brain injury too and there's some there's some memory challenges and things but boy I I wouldn't trade it I know that sounds crazy but um I've learned so much that is useful in working with people who have spent their life with challenges you know that are very similar 
Uh, it uh, obviously provides, I guess, additional empathy. Um, and you say you've learned some lessons and in, in that you can apply in, in your work with people with different abilities. Oh, so much empathy. When you have to have somebody, um, I was in a position there for quite a while in intensive care where I couldn't do anything for myself. And it's kind of humiliating and, and embarrassing. And and I went through that whole range of um, of emotions of having to have somebody else take care of every physical need and and keep me alive and um and I work with people who have people with them all the time basically to keep them alive they might have a seizure or stop breathing or you know have all kinds of life challenges and uh or need um we have an adult sized changing table down there and that's a a a need that we have to have in our place because that allows some people to come and use the facility that wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, it's just um, that amount of empathy, which um, which I'm, I'm really fortunate that I'm getting better and I'm not paralyzed and I'm able to go 100% again. Um, but I, I love what we do down there. And I wanted to just mention something Denise said. She said three words that are my maybe my favorite three words in the whole world. She said, yes, I can. And I'd light up when somebody discovers something that they can do. And uh, in my own experience, I had to learn to walk again and swallow and and uh, was intubated. And, uh, you know, there's so many things I had. And it was such an exciting thing to to walk again and think, yes, I can. I can walk now. I can do this. And we love making it possible for for individuals who maybe the expectations haven't been very great, but to to find a way that they can do something, that they can contribute. Of course, um, you know, we're not all going to fall off ladders, you know, thankfully. Um, I hope not. <laughs> but but uh, what would you say, to, you know, to, I guess, encourage, you know, the average person, encourage me, for example, have, uh, you know, empathy and understanding. One example that you've given, you know, when we talked earlier, Michael, is uh, glasses are an example of disability. Sure. Um, there's There's so many, you know, if we really think about it, there's not a person on the planet that doesn't have some sort of a disability, something that they're not. And a good example of that is I wear glasses, and if I don't, I can't see well enough to drive a car. Um, I need glasses for that. And that's kind of an easy fix. And sometimes there's a fix that's kind of easy, but nobody's ever thought about it. Like, Maybe an artist who uses a power chair, which we have a few of those, and they've been driving a power chair most of their life, and but they have very little use of their hands. Um, we have one young lady who is exactly in that situation. Well, the power chair, let's make that into an art-making machine. Let's add tools to it, put the canvas on the floor, just change things a little bit so that it works, and it was a simple solution, but 
as I look around, you know, and, and search on the Internet, it's a solution that not very many, in fact, nobody's really doing exactly what we're doing with simple solutions like that. Mm. I'm hoping that other people in the world take a look at that and, and kind of copy it and, and do some, some similar things. If you just joined us, we're uh, talking with Michael Bingham, who's with Jump the Moon Art Studio. They offer art-making opportunities for people with different abilities. We're also talking uh, with some folks from the Cash Employment and Training Center. Aubrey Popak is a job developer, and um, Marie Holst is Employment Services Director. And we're talking with a client uh, there, Denise Smock. Uh, so I want to turn uh, next um, uh, to you, Marie Holst. Um, talk a little bit about uh, maybe starting early. Right and helping people with different abilities, um, so family support systems, educators. Um, what, what would you suggest in, in terms of these groups, support systems in in molding uh, folks with different abilities? I think it's important to um, see what your the the person can do. You know. Give them responsibilities. It may take them longer. You know, even with your own children, yes, it's easier to cook the dinner or do the dinner yourself than to wait for them to do it or to teach them to do it. And a person with a different ability may take even longer, but if you teach them, and give them responsibilities, help them make choices. Um, you know, we've had several people here, families say, I don't want them riding the bus, they're too vulnerable. Yes, they that is a challenge because they are so friendly and they don't always perceive danger. And you don't want them to be afraid to go out in the world, but teach them, you know, how to be cautious without being unkind and teach them how to make responsibilities. What do you want to wear today? But along with their responsibilities and choices, they need to know that some choices have consequences and you can't always choose those. So I think it just starts with teaching and treating them as you would any of your other children or any other person. Um, I can remember a coworker whose neighbor had a son that was diagnosed with autism, and she's like, what am I going to do with him? <laughs> and my coworker said, you treat him just like you do your other children. You have those same expectations. You want them to succeed. You need to teach them skills to help them. Don't use their their disability as a crutch, but help them find ways to maneuver through life. Um, you know, some people have extreme argumentative skills. So we'll teach them how to 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 get their points across without doing that, you know, teach them how to work with people and find ways that are not manipulative, but are supportive of everyone. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. 
Uh, let me turn uh, next uh, again to Aubrey Popak. Um, I, I guess the, you know similar question. What what advice to you know to parents, support systems, educators, um, you know to, to to start helping people with different abilities long before they you know get, get into uh, you know, cash employment training center and and looking for employment. Yes, um, I think it's just very important for educators and parents to have, you know, the future in mind. I think when we're so focused on the right here and right now, we are missing, you know, their future, what they're going to do after elementary school, after middle school, and how they're going to survive, how they're going to make their own money. And I think when we don't expect, or when we don't have high expectations for people, then they don't reach high, right? But if our expectations are set high for them, they will work towards those goals. And they will um, be aware that in the future, they're expected to work. They're expected to be as independent as possible. And obviously, there's there's different levels for every single person. Um, and for you and me, you know, our expectations are different in life. But as long as we're focusing on the future and not in elementary school, you know, teaching, um, this is going to be your whole life. You'll be in school. No, you won't. You're going to need to work. You're going to need to learn skills that are going to help you in the future. And I think as um, while people with disabilities, and we're talking about people with cognitive disabilities and um, mental disabilities that they and also people with physical disabilities, but those with cognitive and mental disabilities, they may not be um, always expected that, that they can work. And I think as, as young as, you know, four years old, expecting them to do chores around the house is going to help them one day to have employment and find worth in themselves. And I think if we don't focus on that as uh, they're young, they're just going to grow up with thinking everybody's going to do everything for them and cook all their meals and do all these things. But the more independence they can find young, the happier they'll be and the more empowered they'll be throughout their lives. I wonder if we're going to talk to Denise again. Yes. Hello. Hi, Denise. Uh, great to talk to you again. Hi. Uh, hi. Um, so I'm wondering, what you know, when you were growing up, did, uh, did your mom and dad have you do chores did they have you do tasks around the house did you did you have jobs um you know in the in the house i did i had to do jobs around the house a lot but it it's good because it teaches you responsibility yeah yeah that's and and i imagine that's what you want to be now right you want to be responsible you want to contribute i do i do yeah. Uh, do you have things that you do? You, do you have things you would like to do that, that that maybe you haven't been able to do yet? Um, just to, um, you know, like live life and just do what naturally comes. I mean, I enjoy my life. Um, I've got a good job, you know, job here and eventually I'll get back to the motel job so it's just how you live your life 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's very wise. It's how you live your life. You just want, you just want a happy life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, Denise, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. You too. Okay. Well, let's take another break. When we come back, we'll have more uh, with Michael Bingham with Jump uh, the Moon uh, Studios and uh, Aubrey Popak and um, Murray Holst from Cash Employment Training Center. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Devour Utah, a monthly magazine devoted to covering Utah's dining and drink scene with a spotlight on cooking, local happenings, and libations. Available at newsstands or online at devourutah.com. Support also comes from Cache Valley Parade of Homes, presenting the 2020 Virtual Home Tour October 23rd through November 29th. Cache Valley Home Builders Association, serving the community and promoting ethical business practices in the home building business since 1973. Information at cvhba.com. The Utah Debate Commission has organized debates for candidates in all of Utah's congressional districts, as well as for candidates for governor and attorney general, and UPR is broadcasting all of these. The next debate features candidates for Utah's 3rd Congressional District. Devin Thorpe, the Democratic candidate, will debate the Republican incumbent, John Curtis, on Thursday evening at 6, here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. We're talking about this um, with Michael Bingham from Jump the Moon Art Studio and uh, with uh, Marie Holst and Aubrey Popak with the Cash Employment and Training Center. We've been talking also with a client there, Denise Smock. Um, so, uh, Michael Bingham, uh, w- once again, uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, drive-in uh, movie night. Um, just a chance to, to uh, get out and experience something different and safe and... Uh, and come enjoy a movie at the American West Heritage Center on Monday, this coming Monday night. Um, we have, we're, we're trying to be as safe as we can, so there won't be a concession stand. So if you want to bring your own popcorn and treats and stuff, that's probably a good idea. It's probably going to be chilly, so uh, dress warm. And um, the uh, sound for the film, uh, which I believe is going to be Night at the Museum, uh, will be you can tune your car radio and be able to listen to the soundtrack. And uh, the Heritage Center actually has, I think, uh, much more information on their website about how it all works. And uh, just kind of a nice something different uh, to do with your family and and uh, and take a little break from the normal. Um, so that's that's going to be that event. I kind of wanted to to talk about something you brought up, Tom. Um, in talking to Denise, to Denise, you said um, that you bet that she brought a brightness um, with her when she when she went to work. Um, would it be okay if we talked about that for just a minute? Yes, definitely. Okay, that's one thing that I discovered as a high school art teacher. And uh, the person that really I credit for being the most responsible for opening my eyes to the brightness that these individuals bring with them was a young lady named Abby. And uh, she had really severe challenges. In fact, she, um, she did not like to use a wheelchair uh, 
she wanted to walk everywhere, but she wasn't particularly gifted at walking. So she wore a belt that had three handles on it, and there were three peer tutors that kind of walked with her and kept her upright and going in the right, you know, in the in the right direction. And the moment she walked into my art class, she brought with her a brightness that is really hard to describe. It, in a way, just kind of lit up, and just in her being there, and um, and we worked really hard to um, overcome some real uh, strong challenges to make it so that she could make art. It ended up I had to, um, she would play with a toy truck, and I drilled holes in it and put markers through it so that it became a drawing tool, and she constantly pushed me to invent new ways to make art because she wouldn't just hold a pencil or a marker the way that you or I would. Um, it had to be something different and interesting. And she really um, got me interested in in this Jump the Moon studio and having a studio where we could explore this sort of thing all of the time. But I just wanted to say, as far as um, this idea of uh, brightness, we actually have one of our painters. Her name is Kaya, and she paints with a wheelchair. She hasn't been down a lot because she's had a job at a uh, assisted living center. And I asked her what her job was, and she told me that her job was to make sure everybody was happy. No, oh, it's wonderful. And that that's a legitimate job, and and she brought and brings a brightness into the room when she comes into the room. And it's so friendly, and and in her eyes, you just see it. And you can't help but feel good when you're around Kaya and so many other individuals. And so I would encourage employers out there, um, boy, what if we had a, a part-time employee that mostly their job description was help make sure everybody's happy? Um, what a great thing that would be, wouldn't it? That would be wonderful, yes. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes left in the program. Um, just want, we won't have time to talk about this. We just want to emphasize that um, uh, this national movement and the disability employment awareness is not just in Cache Valley. There's you know, cash There are employment training centers all over the state, and uh, the movement is nationwide. I want to end with uh, maybe we we'll go to to Marie Holst on this. Just about a minute. Um, how can people get involved in in helping? Well, we've had some employers who worked at one company and then moved to another company, and because of their experience with the folks that had the disabilities at their first company, they were able to present opportunities at their new place as well. And I think that's um, a great way. When you have a positive experience, um, with someone in, in employing them, then share that and and build them and build others and help them understand that people do have um, abilities and that they can do things. As we mentioned, you know, I'd been with Denise a few times while she was at the sheriff's office. She has a great sense of humor. You know, and sometimes people only see their physical abilities, and 
and they forget that that individuals with disabilities have the same needs and desires and wants and dreams as the atypical person. So, or the neurotypical person. So let's remember that everyone has something to offer. And I think that's the, the greatest way that we can, we can help is to see them as people with something to offer. Well, that's a great place to end the program. We're out of time. Uh, we've been talking with Marie Holst uh, with the Cash Employment Training Center, also with Aubrey Popak with the CTC, and with Denise Mock, who is a client there, and uh, Michael Bingham with Jump the Moon Art Studio. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, for talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate we, you giving us some time to share this important stuff. We, we appreciate it as well, all the good work that you folks do. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening to Access Utah. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org. the most indelible figures in theatrical history comes to life. My nose is small? Eh? My nose, sir, is enormous. <laughs> Cyrano de Bergerac by Edmund Rostand, starring Hamish Linklater, Gregory Itzen, and Jason Ritter, next time on L.A. Theatre Works. Friday night at 9 on Utah Public Radio.